Come on, folks! Come on! Come on! Come on! Ha ha ha! Step right up! See the freak of all freaks! Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the beautiful Rain! Welcome to Now Playing Podcast's Blood Rain Retrospective Series. I don't know whether to laugh or cry. Part of Now Playing's video game movie review series. Are you sad, children? Hosted by Arnie. You seem to have your hands full. Justin. I've always admired your spirit. It's a shame you must die. And Stuart. Oh, I hear those voices. Your sickly, perverted voices. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. Fear is the way of the Lord, our Savior. Fear is what will keep the darkness from your door. Listener discretion is advised. So let's just make this short and bloody. Today, we're suffering through Blood Rain, the Third Reich. Starring Atasa Maltha, Michael Pere, William Belly, directed by Uva Boll. Guten Tag, motherfuckers! This is Arnie, co-host of Now Playing. And Stuart. And this is Justin. I think I'm going to adopt the Third Reich as my new nomenclature for a trilogy. You know, because I always like to use, uh, when it's part two of something, Electric Boogaloo. So now I'm just going to throw the Third Reich in there for part three of movies. <laughs> yeah, boy. It's, it's, it's hard enough to make one bad movie, but when you pop out three in one year... 2011 was the year like Uva Bowl shat the bed in all kinds of ways. What came first, Arnie? What do you you know about the Blubberella Auschwitz Third Reich trifecta? What I know, and all I know, is I was doing my research for Blood Rain 3, the movie, and I was looking up Brendan Fletcher, an actor that did not come to mind off the top of my head. I didn't really remember him from the Ginger Snaps movies. He was in Freddy vs. Jason, but man, he looks totally different these days. He did a Leprechaun movie. Come on, those are some fantastic films. How could you forget? And when I get to Blood Rain the Third Reich on his Wikipedia listing, it shows he plays Nathaniel Gregor. And also, in the exact same row, he played Nathaniel Gregor in Blubberella. Which makes me go, wait, is there a fourth Blood Rain film? What the hell am I missing? And so I start looking, and what I read is Blubberella is a shot-for-shot remake of Blood Rain the Third Reich. Only, instead of having Natasia in the lead, it's the largely obese woman who played the wife from Postal. Yeah, wait for it. She's a fat walker. Get it? Uh. And so, like, she's doing swords, but she's fat, and she's eating cotton candy. Man, oh man. You want to talk about a bad day? I watched this movie this morning. I was like, I really, every time I went to go watch the Third Reich, I was having a good day. And I'm just like, the (laughs) thought of, like ruining it by like oh and now i have to do this no so i waited to the last minute this morning i'm like all right i gotta sit down with this thing and then yeah to find out that it was there are shots here large segments of this movie appear in two 
other Uwe Boll films made at the same time, released in the same year. This Blubberella spoof. I don't know how you filmed a spoof of something that you're making at the same time. And release it first. It came out a few weeks <laughs> before Blood Rain the Third Reich. Well, hold on to your socks. At the same time, he's also going to troll Spielberg and say all the filmmakers that have made Holocaust films before haven't shown you the real horror. Let me take you to Auschwitz. And so some of the stuff you see about Jews getting off trains and walking through gates and all of that gets expanded upon in his docudrama in which I... I, I the documentary part is they ask a bunch of teenagers what they know about the Holocaust. And of course, the camera is going to linger on the ones that are stupid and don't know anything and say the wrong things. And then we get three sets of Jews, 30 minutes of the film of them just walking off, getting stripped, moved into a gas chamber and falling down dead. Like that's the movie, like again and again and again. While some of the cast members that are in Third Reich are, like, inserted in having some laughs as they go through the jewels and the precious items of the of the Jews and shoot babies in close-up. They, they, like, put revolvers to infants' heads and blow them away. And at some point, the movie just ends. But that is the Auschwitz experience, according to Uwe Boll. Which one's worse? I, it's hard to say. It's... Three shades of the same nightmare. One is a pretentious drama. One is a incredibly unfunny farce. And then one is sometimes an action movie and most of the time softcore. Whatever flavor you want, it's Uva. <laughs> Watching Blubberella, what was interesting to me is there are scenes, like you said, with the exact same camera setups, the exact same sets as we will talk about in Blood Rain, the Third Reich. Only in this one, it felt like Uva said to Clint Howard, yes, even Clint Howard had to play along with this, and anybody else on set, do the same thing, but be funny. And so Clint Howard's making fat jokes, and it really did feel ad-libbed and unfunny. I don't think they used any of the same shots because in every one they were trying to be funny. And Uva's idea of funny, by the way, is dated approximately back in 1980, Because he stole a joke from Airplane that having a flamboyantly gay person as part of your group is the height of humor. And girl, if he can then show up in blackface and bitch slap Hitler, played by Uwe Boll, you're really rolling on the ground. I mean, it is trying to (laughs) recapture the glory of Postal and not succeeding. (laughs) The worst part, so help me God, is where... Blubberella, and I don't know why she's not just Blubrain, but <laughs> Blubberella, maybe that's too close. Maybe the game company would sue. And, 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 you know, there was Barbarella, which, you know, maybe people don't remember that, but she was sort of the pioneer of this kind of thing. I remember that, but I don't know why she'd be out fighting Nazi vampires. I mean, we're talking the same plot here. Yeah. But there's a flashback when Blubberella thinks of her early days, and instead of seeing her mother raped and killed, she's precious from that movie, Precious. Oh, God. Where someone in blackface is throwing things at her and saying, you're not precious. Well, <laughs> Blubberella has to do dishes. Yeah, it's extraordinary in how it's profoundly unfunny. It's the kind of disquieting, like, 
it just like kills comedy. Like like you're at the funeral for the times when you laughed and you're burying the self that used to enjoy things. Like that's how I felt watching that movie. Oh, goodbye person that used to laugh at movies. <laughs> this whole concept is blowing my mind though. I've never heard of shooting the exact same movie at the same time. It's like, you know, they shoot the scene with blood rain in it and then they go back yes. to one and they bring in blubberella and they shoot yep. the scene again. Yep. Wow. That's almost artistic. But like <laughs> <laughs> And then don't forget, and then we're also going to repurpose some of this stuff to be in a Schindler's list movie. Right. Yeah, it's extraordinary. He owed somebody a lot of money quickly in 2011. <laughs> I don't know if it's that or he got the funding to do a Blood Rain 3 because it's based on a movie and he just misappropriated those funds. Like, I got everybody here. You're doing this too. And the budget of the other films was literally just what the editor had to be paid to put it together. But there were some cast and crew interviews on the DVD I had to watch here. And the lead actress, who is a returning Natasia Moth, because she will never go away as long as I don't know how to pronounce that last name. <laughs> You're the only one trying. <laughs> She's like the Brett Favre <laughs> of bad acting. But, but she was talking about how... Uva gives the actors a lot of freedom, sometimes too much freedom in our acting choices. Mm -hmm. Half the movie was scripted and half was left up to us to improvise. Yeah. So I get the feeling, again, like I hypothesized last show, he's not directing the actors. He's looking at a schedule and handing people pages and go, read them. I don't ever think he does a take two. I think it's literally, okay, shoot this. Okay, Blubberella in! Shoot it again. Take two has a different cast. Right. I don't know where making the actual film ever falls on his priority list, but I know it's not in the top three. I mean, <laughs> uh, number one is try to get your lead actress to show her tits in the movie. Yep. And, and go into the trailer. Yep. <laughs> number two is something about money, but making the film is somewhere down the line. Yeah, and, and there was a Blood Rain 3 game coming out at this time they had to be horrified that this thing was trying to jump on that you would almost change the name of the game <laughs> to try and dissociate yourself but arnie is there any connection plot wise haha -ha. no uh, and the third game i didn't even bother playing it it wasn't a real game it wasn't a 3D game like the other Blood Rains were. It was a throwback, side-scrolling adventure, like... Like a Mario? Yeah, Mario. I would think something more along the lines of, like, the Ghostbusters game you played on Genesis or Altered Beast, Stuart. I'm trying to... Castlevania? Yeah, Castlevania, that kind of thing. And it wasn't even in stores. You had to just pay, like, $10 for it to download to your PlayStation. I still wouldn't want this that game to be associated with this. I would I would never want any property that was meant to make money. I assume they charged for it, right? Yeah, I think it was like $10. It got horrible reviews from what I read, and I didn't want to sully the good time I had with the first couple games by playing this thing if I could even get it. I mean, I couldn't load it up on my PC the way I did the other ones, so I didn't even know how I'd come across this game. It's not 
available to play on current gen systems. And so all I know is what I've read, that it is not good. And it put a nail in the Blood Rain franchise. I mean, we haven't had a Blood Rain game since 2011. Well, don't discount. Come on. Uva Bull has to have something to do with that, right? I mean, give them the plot. <laughs> We've jumped forward to World War II, and we find Blood Rain, again played by Natasha Malta. With brand new boobs. Are they new? You say it like the Swedish chef. Tasha Malta. Krugen Morgan. Not fighting vampires, but rather Nazis, as she's teamed up with the French Resistance. During one ambush of a Nazi train, Rain encounters a commander, played by Michael Paré. Again! Third movie, third character. Is this something that's supposed to be deep like Dracula and how his beloved came back and looked exactly the same? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, Michael Paré and some of these people just don't have anything better to do. Available and he has his number. To do three movies at once, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Rain and the Commander duel, but when Rain feeds on the Commander, he's transformed into a damp fear. Back at headquarters, the doctor, played by Clint Howard, has been studying vampires. When he sees the commander, he realizes that being a Damphier could make Der Führer immortal, so he sets out to study Rain and the commander. In another battle with Rain, the Nazis manage to hit her with a bullet, and the doctor gathers Rain's spilled blood. Rain goes to the French Resistance commander Nathaniel, played by Brendan Fletcher, and asks for his help to kill the commander. And in another attack, Nathaniel and Rain are captured and have sex in the back of their prison truck. <laughs> it's almost as hot as grinding against the prison bars. <laughs> what is it with Rain <laughs> captured horny? <laughs> the Resistance set dynamite to free Nathaniel and Rain, and a fight ensues in which the Doctor and the Commander are killed. But while the Nazis have no more damp fears, Rain knows the fight isn't over, as she and the Resistance go to attack another Nazi base, and credits roll. That's the whole movie. I mean, pepper in a whole bunch of Clint Howard, and <laughs> you've got the entire movie. Yeah, I left out a couple of people who were transformed into vampires or damn fears, and then were killed again, because none of it matters. I left out most of the soft core, because none of it matters. You want to know something astonishing that Uva said in an interview on the disc? He was talking with Natasha. And first of all, they were arguing over the character's motivation for having lesbian <laughs> sex, which we're going to get to. Because Natasha said, oh, it's because she feels for the prostitutes, because they've both been victims, because, you know, her mother was raped. And who was like, Blood Rain is not a victim. She is a video game hero. No, she's doing this because she likes girls. And they're arguing about this. <laughs> But then he says, I can't stand to watch Angelina Jolie's Tomb Raider movies. They are boring shit. I know I've done 10 years of research. Audiences want tits and violence, and that's what I give them. Oh, research. Boy, I'd like to be in that laboratory, wouldn't you? I think we are. We continue yes. to walk back yeah. in voluntarily. Yeah, this is a cruel social experiment that is coming to an end soon, I'm happy to say. <laughs> but we must suffer through... Oof. 
Yeah, a really, really painful movie that is at least trying to tie back to the first movie. Last time I said I wasn't even sure Rain was a damn fear anymore. Here we start with a flashback. It, it ain't Kingsley, but we see Kagan raping her mother again. And so they're really wanting us to think about going back to the glory days of that 2005 movie and trying to get back to the idea that it's going to be a vampire in Nazi Germany now. In her second century, she's going to finally get into plot lines that kind of feel like that first video game. Yeah, they're going back to the video game, but not the first movie. What the writer of this said is that he views this as an anthology series where there's not going to be any continuity. It's basically a different blood rain in every movie, except they all share the same origin stories of the mother being raped and killed by a vampire. So here, he was not worried about the first movie. He was not worried about continuity. He wasn't even sure if it was going to have the same actor, because Uva told Natasha, Tits this time or you get don't get the job. <laughs> so, <laughs> and she wanted the job. Again, that's just so... You really hate to see people grovel like this. This kind of feels like a bum fight or something, you know, when you just, like, pay people to dehumanize themselves. But she was too good for Blubberella. She's not in that. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to go and say, I don't know if Blubberella is a better movie, but the actress is more entertaining than Mama. She actually is. I'm going to give it that. I feel so bad for the lead actress of Blubberella, but yet she has some natural comedy chops. Yeah, she tried. And and that's more than I would say that this rain is going to do. Who yeah, you can feel her resentment. And I don't blame her. I wouldn't want to do this movie either, but it's pretty clear here when she's showing up to save a train full of Jews going into a death camp that you call it an anthology. I just see that she's not going to even try to be the character that we've had before. Yeah, I mean, any any excitement that I might have experienced in the first few moments of this movie opening, where it's like, oh, okay, so we are finally getting to the Nazis. We're time period appropriate. Maybe we're going to get closer to what the game was all about. Uh, it was immediately dashed when I realized Natasha was back. It's like, oh, okay, we've got Natasha again. So I guess let's hop on this train and see where it goes. And again, I, her fight choreography, maybe it's the coat is limiting. I don't know. She's wearing this long leather trench coat and some kind of like headpiece or something. Maybe it's really constrictive, but I feel like she can barely do moves. I think she's just a little awkward. Like even just when she's unencumbered by coats and swords, like she runs and it just looks like she doesn't know how to run properly. Yeah, it's very, very bad fight choreography leading to her impaling a Nazi while being shot and we're to understand that the blood of her damn feardness going into his mouth saves him from dying of being impaled. He actually becomes undead before she kills him, and thus he's going to be the villain of this film. Maybe. I mean, this movie is very loose with its rules. Oh, yeah. I couldn't tell if it was because she bit him, because she gets shot, and to heal the wound, she, like in the video game, leaps on him and bites him to kill him. And when she got shot, he did get blood in his mouth, but he's going to create damn fears later on just by biting them. So I don't understand exactly if it was this blood or if it was just the bite. Does she normally behead the people she feeds on? Because that's what they did in that first movie. 
I don't know. But yes, this commander who Uva was saying he thought it was in bad taste. And if Uva thinks it's in bad taste, you know it's fucking bad. <laughs> bad taste because we're dealing with World War II and the Holocaust? Yes, with the Holocaust. He did not want to use any real names except Hitler. So this commander is supposed to be Commander Eckhart Brand, apparently a real person, but they're just going to call him the commander and allow people familiar with history to figure it out. Clint Howard is supposed to be Dr. Mangler. Yeah, well, I think they call him Mangler, but he's supposed to be Mangala. Okay. You know what? It's in no worse taste than X-Men, and you have Magneto, like, using his powers to fry Nazis on gates. I mean, you know, it's... It's insensitive to people that have actually experienced this tragedy, but unfortunately, or or fortunately, we, we live in a culture where real-life tragedy becomes popcorn plots pretty quickly. And so, I'll give this movie that. In fact, I wish it were in more bad taste. I feel like if you're going to make a, a movie about the Holocaust and vampires, go for it. You're all in. And what's strange is I still feel like in part because he's using some of the same footage, this thing is way much more of a drama. Like, he doesn't seem to enjoy the campiness of of any of this. It's not played for laughs. Yeah, I mean, it, if we're going to go to this era with somebody who is basically invincible and put her up against Nazis, then we should, as an audience, be rooting against the Nazis and have fun watching them get mauled and killed and torn apart. But it's earning none of that. And we're not getting any of that on screen, really. We're just getting, seeing people get shot and squibs exploding. And the action here, I'm not just going to put this on Natasia. The action is all bad. It's all quick cuts. Even the people who Natasia is sword fighting against don't do anything cool. The stunt people can't do it, let alone the actress. And they're just cutting away to a different angle every single swipe the people firing the guns don't look like they know how to hold a gun this whole thing as far as action goes is not any good and then the ultimate piss in my face moment is they kill the nazis and they go yes we have the train let's go get the guns open it up <laughs> it's just jews <laughs> Oh, they're disappointed it's not guns. They're not happy they liberated and saved lives. They're like, oh, damn it. We wanted grenades. What are we going to do with these people? I literally thought they were going to be like, bye, Jews. We go now. But no, they do take them to a camp, not an internment camp, just like a base camp so that they can find freedom some other way and not just be left to starve and die. But man, the lack of satisfaction at saving the lives of 50 people or so is really sickening because it is a real-life tragedy, and he did do a good job of making what looks like a truckload of Schindler's List background extras. Yeah, you wonder if Bowl himself would have made this choice. I mean, the fact that he can't see any humanity in this and... Yeah, again, lots of these the shots, these actors, all of this was used uh, endlessly in the Auschwitz docudrama. So, yeah. Can I just also point out, this movie's 75 minutes long. Mm -hmm. That's it. And it was like six minutes of credits and trains. Yeah. Yeah, so they're really stretching here. They don't have enough for one movie, and somehow they've... They slice this down thinly into some kind of three movies for one. So we end up at 
I don't know, Nazi headquarters in this area. And we, we, we meet our doctor played by Clint Howard. And he's, he's in what looks like a mad lab. You know, I mean, he's got these, he's got a vampire on the table that he's doing experiments on and torturing just for the science of it. But he also has jars with weird creatures on the wall. I mean, it looks like this is his area, right? So I'm like, okay, so this is, we're in the doctor's laboratory. But then they walk out and establish that they're just actually in this like marble walled building, like a government type of building. I'm like, okay, this is a little confusing. That's a weird place for a lab, but maybe that's all right. But then he has a line that says they brought him here for this. It's like, so where did the lab come from? Did you bring all this stuff with you? <laughs> I, I was I was very confused. Even more strange. So his purpose in the Third Reich is to experiment on vampires. Pretty niche, I would think. That's really not going to have be one of the busier areas of what they're doing, I would think. <laughs> I don't know. Were they attacking Romania? Again, it, like, if we take the Wild West of the last movie, then yeah, vampires, they're all around. Nobody cares. Not a big deal. Not doesn't need to be established. But then wouldn't other scientists have done these experiments? Yeah. He knows about them. He's got plenty of vampires to work on, but he's never heard of a daywalker. And so when he finds out that Michael Paré has been turned during daylight and now apparently can like have new qualities, he hasn't, you know, the crucifix he brings doesn't work. What does he decide to do with him? Play chess. Like, it's a really bizarre moment where he's saying, I'm going to help you with your transition. And then they spend the next 10 minutes sitting in front of a chessboard. Because that was cool in an X-Men movie at some point. <laughs> Maybe that's what he was thinking. I mean, again, with the Nazi imagery and kind of the superhero stuff that, you know, Bull is always trying to grab on what's popular while shitting on it. Yes. Oh, I hate those X-Men movies. I hate Angelina Jolie. You wish... You wish that you could be half as good as that Tomb Raider sequel. And I want to drive home the fact that this is Clint Howard, okay? Clint Howard is an abomination of humanity when he is in most of these movies. I do forget that in certain films, like Apollo 13 or Parenthood... You mean his brother's movies? There are movies where he can be used and actually work as a normal human being. But mostly, this guy is a scenery-chewing freak of nature that I can never take seriously. I find seeing his name in the credits of movies sets off my bad movie sense, and I'm just like, oh, fuck. If I'm in a movie with him, I mean, think about his role in Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, Initiation. I mean, Jesus Christ, <laughs> this guy. He was in House of the Dead, too. He's, he's an Uva Bull returner. I did realize that. That hit me in the face when I'm like, oh, he came back. But even there, I mean, a little bit of Clint Howard goes a long way. And like you're saying, if used properly and just here and there throughout a movie, fine. He makes a great weirdo. But I'm sorry, you cannot write a script where he has 75% of the dialogue. I mean, it's just way too much. Good news is they didn't write a script, Justin. I don't know what he's doing here. I think he's trying to do Renfield from Dracula. He's like, eh, eh, eh. okay, master. Yes, master. I don't, I don't. Worse than that, he's doing the Bugs Bunny version of that character. They're playing chess and they're trying to figure out what they're doing in this Croatian, as you say, it's probably like parliament or something like that. I don't know what is going on here. Meanwhile, Rain, our star, is like off getting a free massage at a bordello because she beat up a Nazi. 
Okay, now, admittedly, she paid for her first massage, and knowing what Uva said about her in part two, what a prude she was, I'm like, oh, we're getting some serious side boob here. Yeah. And when she kind of stands up to put her robe on because she hears somebody screaming, I'm like, oh, uh, nip flash, okay. Not so prudish. I mean, it's not anywhere near what we got in Blood Rain 1 with the sex scene against the bars of the prison cell, but okay, and she goes up and, you know, saves the prostitute from being beaten by a Nazi, but then they're going to thank her with a free massage, and we get the best scene out of any Uva Bowl movie I've ever seen, which isn't to say it's worth, it's worth watching, but it is truly the best scene Uva's ever done because I watched this late at night and I'm like, did I flip to Skinamax? What happened? Hey, if I'm 13 and this is on Skinamax late at night, I am one happy young man. But, you know. Again, this is what I thought the first movie would be. I thought it would be gratuitous. And the hard part of it is it unfortunately is shot like Schindler's List. I mean, it's this bleak, ugly, blanched colors. It's not sexy in, in it its photography. Is. It is. Not in its <laughs> photography. It is very, very harsh looking. But yes, if you're into girl on girl... There is uh, more than a little here. Are you saying there's people that aren't into Girl on Girl? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know that everyone will be into this scene, but I do think that the question deserves to be asked. Is this better for being softcore? Was this an improvement to suddenly just say, hey, we're just horny trash? Or is it enough of it? I mean, my complaint continues to be it only half gets there. I felt bad for the actress because I knew she didn't want to do this. The whole scene, I'm feeling bad. I'm like, oh shit. I, I mean, she's a, she's a great actress. She looked like she wanted to be there. No, <laughs> she is not a great actress and she does not look like she's enjoying any part of this movie. But. The truth is, if this is what I want to see, this isn't the movie I want to see it in. Because there's very little of this. This is one thing to kind of arouse my attention briefly before we go back to a Blood Rain, Uva Bowl film. But if I want to watch Girl on Girl, I'll just go to Pornhub and watch Girl on Girl. I don't need to sit through Uva Bowl quote-unquote plot lines to get there. Well, you know what, how it is. I mean, sometimes you want hardcore and sometimes you may want, you know, some people prefer the idea that it's kind of a movie, like, you know, basic instinct. They feel better about watching something like that because, you know, they don't have to feel like they're actually watching porn you could make the argument that some people justify watching a movie like this because to them it's still an action nazi world war ii fantasy with just a, a little bit of sex and honestly i couldn't see around the mechanics of it to be honest with you i mean knowing that the actress didn't want to do anything like this in the last movie like arnie said and here she is fully naked and just knowing even in hollywood when they do softcore stuff like this there's still rules that they follow you know and knowing that this is an uva bowl movie i'm pretty sure they're not following those rules and they're probably crossing some lines you know just off screen here so the whole thing just comes off as just uncomfortable for everybody involved I think that they didn't cross any lines because Uva would have shown it. You know, that's just the fact of it is I don't think that woman's head got within a foot of Natasha's groin. 
I was just worried that Clint Howard was going to become the pizza boy because, like, <laughs> some whore runs back to go tell, like, Michael Paré and everything, and she ends up being turned into a vampire and put in a cage, and he's, like, getting excited and getting in there. I'm like, oh, no, please don't show us his wooden steak. But, <laughs> but it's, it's in the end, he loves science too much, and he just kills it. Yeah, we, we dodged a silver bullet there. Well, he had a one in four chance, right? She was hungry for blood, she was thirsty, she wanted to kill somebody, and she was horny. So if he walked in, he was going to get one of those four. Now, three of those four kill him, but one of those four gets him hot sex. So he decided to roll the dice. Yeah. Do you think Clint Howard would want to do the scene? Like, would he be up for it? I know I'm not. (laughs) Strangely, I sadly think yes. I I don't know much that Clint Howard has said no to. Yeah. If he's in this movie, he's already got no dignity left. So he will eventually find his way back to the bordello because... Help me out on this. Is Michael Paré a damn fear or a vampire? A damn fear. Okay. So why are they, like, giving him these Grace Joan hoodies so the sunlight doesn't hit him? Because it seems like they want to protect him when he's walking around in the day. Yeah, I just took that as he's not fully through his transition yet. Okay. So maybe the sun can still harm him to a certain degree. I don't I don't know. A precaution. Yeah. Maybe they just thought it looked cool. Maybe he's not gotten enough of her blood to be total damn fear, because later he's going to want to drink more. And I don't understand why. I, I didn't get that at all. I didn't know what he was missing that drinking more blood would give him. But yes, he's a damn fear. And he turns this woman who's a tattletale from the whorehouse... And she goes, it was like, this woman, not even knowing that it was the same woman who fought the commander, she's taken to the commander, like, this woman hurt one of your soldiers. And I'm telling you this because I want to run the whorehouse, and I want you to kill the woman who runs it now so I can take over. Well, he bites her, and she's a damn fear, like you said, that Clint Howard flirts with and kills. So it's like, damn fears biting people now makes them damn fears? I thought you had to drink the blood of the damn fear to become a damn fear. I'm damn confused is what it is. Yeah, I I, I fear I don't give a damn. Uh, So let's move on. He comes to the bordello. She races up the roof. She leaves behind a blood trail. And because they have her blood, now they can... It seems to me like an important part of the story got left out. There's something about her blood that has power that he can benefit from. I know eventually the plan is they're going to get Hitler to be immortal. There's even a weird dream sequence where she imagines like getting bitten on the neck by vampire Hitler. The plot is so convoluted here, but the blood use is twofold. I mean, as soon as Clint Howard realizes the commander is a damn fear... Clint Howard is like, oh, we need to get this for Hitler. I need to study you and other damn fears to figure out how can we make Hitler immortal. That is Clint Howard's whole goal after he doesn't get any from the ex-prostitute vampire. And so he wants more of her blood to study so he can study damn fear blood. Because he says the vampires he studied do not make any scientific sense, but with a damn fear, maybe he can find that mix in the science to figure out how to replicate it. So they attack the bordello. She goes out there. They shoot at her. Apparently they nick her. There's some blood on the ground that Clint Howard just finds. And there's enough he can scoop into a test tube. 
I don't know that you'd bleed that much that in a puddle in the short time she jumped on the roof, but he now has blood to study and maybe to let Hitler drink. And if Hitler drinks it, he'll become a damn fear. Great. And then we can kill him with a bucket of water. Like what? How the hell does that help? (laughs) (laughs) But then what happens is they still want to find the French resistance. They want to find blood rain. And so they bring in this tracker. Jaeger. Yeah. He was, he's in all of Auschwitz. He's the one shooting babies the whole time in Auschwitz. And we saw him earlier be the one that connected Clint Howard to Michael Paré. So he's there and the commander wants him to find Blood Rain, but he's a good tracker as a human. He'll be better as a damn fear. So the commander bites him, turns him into a damn fear, then lets him sniff the blood so he can follow the trail and find Blood Rain by smelling her specific blood. Now, come on. We've already established this chick doesn't bathe. Like, we can all smell her, right? I can smell her, the stink of her. No, she she was in a swamp last movie. And look, there was not a speck of dirt on her when she was in that love scene. I was actually, strangely, because I felt bad for her, I was thinking about all of the hygiene one must perform before doing a scene like that so that you do not make the other person uncomfortable with odors and things. Listen, we saw her body. It is clean. (laughs) Okay, I'm talking about the character, not the actress. And I was just making light of the fact that I don't know. Like, yeah, this seems like a very complicated way of tracking down Blood Rain for an action scene. Very pathetic action scene in which this character no sooner has hopped up on a ledge than he breaks his neck. Yeah, and beyond all of that, let's let's create a quick checklist of what our hero has done for this movie. She shows up to help save some Jews from heading off to Auschwitz. Unintentionally. <laughs> Unintentionally creates... A damn fear, which then creates a bigger problem for everybody involved. She gets muddled in with this resistance, gets in their way, eventually heads off to this bordello that ends up getting taken over and a few people killed in. She keeps with the resistance, which she ends up getting the majority of them killed. What is her purpose other than just being in the way and a problem for everybody (laughs) she's around. Yes. I thought she was supposed to be helping the allied and she's again, she's only making the axis stronger by now introducing the undead blood in their bloodstream. But now we get a new person, Magda, who is a code breaker. Yeah. She's brilliant. She basically flirts with Nazis in a bar and then shoots them. That's, and then asks the other one that's alive to break the code. It just, this is how they got the Enigma machine. They would have you believe this is how they solved the Enigma code. Well, it hit me when we get this scene with her in the bar, which feels so disjointed. We haven't seen her before, right? This is our first introduction to her is like two thirds into the movie. Well, she is in the opening scene where they go to the train, but in the background. Okay, I missed her in the background. But when she shoots those two vampires in the bar, oh my god, Uva thinks he's making inglorious fang bastards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, it's not a surprise that he always is trend hopping and yet screaming that he's better than the Hollywood product. That, yes, he's, I mean, inglorious bastards at this point is four or five years old. But yeah, he's thinking about how to to jump on some kind of trend. I mean, this scene feels a lot 
like that scene with Michael Fassbender and having a strong woman killing Nazis. I mean, that was a huge plot in Inglorious Bastards. It just hit me over the head like a frying pan that that is what Uva was thinking of. They even found a set that felt similar with the spiral staircase coming into the lower level bar. Yeah, I mean, it was just screaming Inglorious Bastards. And yet, if this were a Tarantino movie, there'd be witty dialogue. This character would end up doing something, like killing Hitler in a movie theater. She ends up getting tied up in a barn and bitten. And when the Resistance finds her as a vampire, they're just like, eh, stake her. Like, nobody really cares. It's all for naught. I don't know what code she was supposed to break. I mean, we were told that's how they broke the Enigma code. But what has she done for them lately? <laughs> you know, I'm like, what has she done for Blood Rain? Yeah. And why is Blood Rain tagging along with them? There's no reason to keep her around. Well, and even according to the movie's own logic, it doesn't make sense. Nathaniel was so pissed off that they got her because she had all their secrets. So now that they've captured her, the resistance was finished. And all he does is turn her into a vampire and leave her. Like, they don't even take her off to Hitler. Well, she's the lure. I think that when they come crashing to rescue her, after they've staked her and turned her into ash, that's when Blood Rain and Nathaniel get captured. Ah, so she was just there to spring the trap. I guess. Again, the, the story is so difficult to follow and, and unengaging. If you could muster the energy, it doesn't reward you by seeming very linear. But yes, I take it to mean that they now have the damn fear and keep Nathaniel around because, hey, why not? We got to do a sex scene later and he'll work. Yeah, Rain and Nathaniel get captured, and I talked about it in the plot summary. What is with the second porn scene? I think it answers itself, Arnie. It's uh, it's more sex. <laughs> and I think I think you're onto something, Arnie. I think she has a, a capture fetish. You know, she's always horny when she's captured. You know what I thought? I'm overthinking this, but I'm like, Nathaniel's going to die, but he will have left her his baby. And there will be emotion there. But no, this is just another titty shot and <laughs> they are in the back of a troop transport locked in there but there's a lot of room and they're doing it doggy style with her tits pressed up against the glass i just wanted to see the look of somebody do passing them on the left <laughs> <laughs> or like they get there and hitler like opens the door like it's it's kind of sad that we don't get hitler if they were doing inglorious bastards they should have lived up to it and had the hitler actor not just be a dream sequence but actually get killed. I guess maybe I was just confused and still feeling sorry for the poor Nazi who just came to find Blood Rain to get some answers and he just <laughs> got, got the shit beat out of him <laughs> until they killed him. That poor guy, he, he wasn't in any danger of harming them. He just wanted some answers and they beat the shit out of him. Well, you just wait until we get to this climax here where <laughs> yeah, everything's solved by a big old rock. <laughs> that was kind of awesome. It is finally, when we get to this climax, the kind of blood and guts we've been wanting. It's the kind of thing you do in a campy movie. Rain is actually going to like, we're going to see entrails. Like things are going to fall out of people and heads are going to be ripped off. And we're finally getting that comic book violence that this series has been screaming for the whole time. And this is where the commander, for reasons, again, drinks the leftover blood rain blood to power up and Clint Howard's all like, but that was for Hitler. Yeah. Isn't it an all or nothing type of thing? Like you can't be like a 1% damn fear and he's moving up to 10%. I mean, 
Why would that make him more powerful? He never wanted to drink it before this moment. At some point, they had her upside down, and he bit her in the armpit and, like, recoiled and went the power. Which, again, I'm just thinking, like, maybe you should chew at a different body part. I, I don't know. It's a little gross. Right. And what happened to that blood, Stuart? He was bleeding her for hours, he said. And she kept yeah. creating blood as fast as he could bleed her. So all they end up was that vial? You'll have to wait for the sequel. <laughs> I'm, sh I'm, I'm sure it's gone into somebody else. Maybe it'll go into Vietnam or something. Like, we can hope, right? <laughs> but motherfucker, he just ends up underneath a big old rock. I did like that. I'm thinking, how do you kill a damn fear? You can still burn them. You can still behead them. And when she picks up a rock, I'm like, well, that'll do the trick. And I like the splatter underneath it. Their fight up to this point was really lackluster. I'm going to say again what I said about all of the quick cutting, shaky cam, all of this. But she, <laughs> the one thing I found funny is she knocks him down and then feels she has time to walk over, look for a rock, find a rock. Carry a rock back and then smash him and the whole time he's laying there. I'm like, he's a damn fear. Shouldn't he be getting up? Yeah, he didn't put up much of a fight. I mean, he didn't do anything vampire-y in this final fight. You would have thought that, like, he would have taken a lot of bullets and that didn't stop him to show his power. None of that. It was just, here's here's a quick little gunfight on the side of the road because we got to wrap this up. And did you notice there's a female sniper that took out Clint Howard? Like, he was just kind of running away and just gets it. You may not even notice. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice he died. I didn't really pay attention to how. I really thought Nathaniel should have killed him. You know, again, have the goon kill the goon and the leader kill the leader. Yeah, these are things that would be done in a normal shit Hollywood movie. But thank God we have Uva Bull to uh, thwart expectations. So not that I wanted this movie to go on any longer, but does this feel like a lackluster conclusion? Like, wasn't this all building up to like taking care of Hitler? Shouldn't we be on the road to Berlin now to take out the main guy? Well, they didn't build a Berlin set for Auschwitz. They built an Auschwitz set for Auschwitz. So they just walk up to the gate of Auschwitz and it's implied that that's how that camp got liberated by a vampire or a damn fire. <laughs> Such a disappointing ending. <laughs> yeah. And, and then we get this song Blind Fire by, and this is a band name, The Incredible Adventures of Billy and Max. Normally, I mock rap rock, but I actually think that this is too good. I'm like, no, 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 no. This, you deserve better than to be the end of this movie. I agree. That was the music on the DVD menu. I like rap rock. And I was listening to that like, that can't be from this movie. There's no way this is from this movie. <laughs> and then they give the, the hooker that got turned into a vampire. She has a song here too. Never let you down, which, you know, <laughs> that's ironic. <laughs> I guess you can't be let down when uh, you have no expectations. Well, I know what I'm expecting. Justin Stewart, do you recommend Blood Rain, the Third Reich? Justin. Well, this one, I think, is a little easier to watch than the previous two, only in the subject matter and the short length. You know, we're finally dealing with Nazis, which the game is is based on. So at least we're in the namesake's realm of existence now. And I, I kind of feel like this one kind of does deserve a Stefan type of review. I mean, it's got everything. It, it has vampires. It's got lesbian sex scenes. It's got Clint Howard, for God's sake. I mean, if you can't make a party out of those elements, I don't know. If You must be Uva Bowl then. Because what we get here is 119 minutes of just a yawn fest. I mean, part two was slow and boring. This one... 
I guess the cinematography was a little brighter because they were outside more and it wasn't as muddy. There was snow to brighten up the scenery. But it just leaves me wondering what this whole thing was about. And to be honest with you, none of it makes me want to check out the game, which, you know, I mean, if you're going to make a movie about a game, it should at least make you interested to check it out. And I walk away from this series thinking if I never have to look in an Uva Bowl movie again, I'll be a happy man. So I'm going to leave this one where we left the other ones. Red Arrow. I'm done with it. Stuart. And I'll go further. You know, we've we've weighed in on the question that gets asked a lot. Is Uva Bull the worst director of all time? And previously, we're like, eh, it's impossible to answer, right? Because movies can be bad in so many different ways. Well, I actually think Bull has made every kind of bad movie now. Like, with the Auschwitz and the Blubberella and the Blood Rain 3, he gets the sash and tiara, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, motherfucker, you're the worst. I hate you more than any other director in the world, filled with rage after today. Honestly, watching those three movies back to back and seeing how he took a terrible comedy, a horrible drama on a real life important subject, shit action, softcore, I mean, maybe it's to your taste. I'll leave it at that. Maybe he's a great Skinamax director. But I, I just, yeah, it's become personal. I actually hate this man for the way that he's conned the German people and wannabe songwriters to finance his shit projects. I mean, it's just so awful. We have not seen any growth. If anything, Uva has gotten worse as we've seen him advanced over the years. I mean, this is now, what, movie 12 out of 13? And I, I can't stand it. I, I really, really hate Uva Bowl. So I'm definitely giving this a flaming, burning, you touch it and you die red arrow. But in doing so, I realize that maybe that creates a new significance. Maybe film lovers would like to see the worst film by the worst director of all time. I don't know if I'm selling the idea that this is something you need to check out now because if nothing else, you've seen bottom, right? Like this is the worst. Who doesn't want to know what the worst is? I would say I can recommend it in that way if you have any fascination about when and how people turn to cannibalism. Because that's <laughs> what it looks like. Bull Productions at this point is the new Millennium Donner Party. And with its shrinking cast of bad actors returning again and again to the same set and finding less and less things to do and less and less money to do it with, you just wonder, like, how soon are we just going to just have a flashlight dangling over Michael Paré, like, like biting into Clint Howard, you know, like as, as a TikTok video? How much more can be stripped off these bones is really the question. I feel like we are watching cinematic cannibalism. And if that's your that's your thing, that's your fetish. Yeah, go ahead and take a look at this. But otherwise, if you want a brown arrow movie, this ain't it. This is just pure wretched awful. I don't even think this is the worst, though, of all of Uva's films, you know? I mean, I think back on it like a trauma survivor, and I'm, like, reliving it by trying to think of the previous movies we've seen of his. But yet, as bad as Blood Rain the Third Reich is, 
I don't even recommend it as seeing the worst film by the worst director because we've seen even worse and more boring films than this. Have we? Again, I'm really probably judging the entire experience of Third Reich, Blubberella, and Auschwitz. Like, that day that I just had is the worst feeling that I've had all year. And we're in 2020, okay? <laughs> like, it's a bad year, and this is the worst day of it. The funny thing is, I did a double feature of Third Reich and Blubberella. I could have added in Auschwitz. It would still be one of my top ten high moments of the year. <laughs> I don't think... I don't. <laughs> then you haven't seen Auschwitz, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as the Third Reich goes, what it really did is put in perspective for me the past two movies. Because I watched part one and I went to Letterboxd and I'm like, I can't give zero stars. It doesn't allow it. It just says it's not ranked then. So I gave it the lowest possible rating of a half star. It was, you know, it exists. Half star. It was so bad. Then part two comes along and is slightly better. I'm like, okay, one star. It's still utter shit. But it's better than part one, so I gotta bump it up a little. Then the third ride comes, I'm like, holy god. Holy god, this is even worse than the first one, because, again, I can't follow the plot. The acting is so bad. And, you know what the worst fucking insult is to me as the primary editor of Now Playing? The audio of this movie is shit! It is echoey. They didn't even have a boom mic, I don't think. They were on echoey sets using a mic that came on their fucking Sony Best Buy bought camcorder. <laughs> I couldn't bear to listen to this movie. Yeah, he, I mean, it, he is entering that phase. I mean, we can actually now judge, like, oh, early Uva Bowl is much better than later because he had some money, at least at the beginning. Like, now that he's running out of money, it's just, it's awful in all areas. Seriously, I think back on House of the Dead as like a golden moment where mm -hmm. he had the cool spinny trick camera thing at least. <laughs> yeah, Alone in the Dark is a terrific film compared to this. Yeah. Oh, we were so naive back then, guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. we only knew what we were in for in the future. Like, I think we would have watched those movies with wide-eyed optimism, but <laughs> ugh. We've been through some shit now. Oh, yeah. If we went back to re-review them, yeah, I would be far kinder to those films, especially, yeah, when he did cool stuff with the camera, like he did in the first Blood Rain. But here, this one doesn't even have that. And man, it's hard to say you've added more sex and I like you less, but it doesn't fit in this movie. It's like, did I change the channel from watching my really bad Inglorious Bastards vampire movie to watching Skinamax? And shit, now I have to turn the channel back and watch more of the vampire movie. <laughs> no, this is a not recommend, and I do hope Uva burns in hell. Yeah, I mean, I it, it, again, I, I mean it. Like, I'm really angry at, at him. Like, normally I try not to personalize it. I mean, re I realize it takes a lot of work to even make a bad movie, but like, this, this is not acceptable acceptable that he has done this to these video games to these known properties that again people like some of these games they, they, there should have been more reverence to what they were trying to do and he just he shat on them so he could create tax shelters and, and privately profit off flops it's just not fair to see someone rewarded for bad work yeah i agree with you 100 percent i 
keep remembering that article I read that said never hate a movie because the movie paid for some below-the-line workers' food and mortgage and families to get education. It employed thousands of people. Don't hate the movie. You can critique the movie. You can say the movie isn't good, but you can't hate the movie because it put a roof over people. It helped put food in their mouth. But no, no, this movie, first of all, I don't, I've seen the behind the scenes. I don't think it employed that many people. (laughs) (laughs) It employed the same damn people that have already suffered enough and need to be released from the shackles of Uva. And their slave contracts made them shoot three films for the (laughs) price of one. Oh, it's so (laughs) awful. It's so unfair. You can hate this movie. There's, there should be like an asterisk to that comment in that article and like, unless you're watching Blood Rain 3, because this is contemptible on a whole different level. This is my first opportunity to hate a movie that I haven't seen, you know? Like, I get to hate Blubberella all on its own merits, and I never even saw the thing. Is it better or worse, Ernie? I really can't, I don't know. I just know I hated everything about the whole day. Auschwitz, Blubberella, and this. Blubberella is highly offensive, and he wants to be offensive. He wants to offend you. He succeeds, and not in a Blazing Saddles kind of way, but just in a, can you believe how disgusting a human being I am kind of way? Can you believe the things I'm making these actors go through kind of way? A troll. Yeah, but yet I understood that film and what it was doing in a Postal kind of way. I hated Postal, too. I mean, you keep saying, Stuart, you liked it. I hated Postal. No, I didn't. I didn't say I liked it. It was a red arrow. I said it's his best film. (laughs) All right. That's what I'm... Yes. (laughs) All right. Thank you for clarifying. You're still saying it's his best film. I put it down in the bottoms because his sense of humor is repugnant to me. We'll rank his films when we do his last movie, which we're covering next week. You mean Blood Rain 4? Because there was nothing scary about these vampire movies, but on the commentary for Blood Rain the Third Reich, he ended with, I'll see you all for Blood Rain 4. Oh boy. Right. And, you know, he retired in 2016, and we thought, you know, certainly no one is going to give him any more, but he is back to making movies. We don't know if he'll pick up on any, or if he even still has the license, really, to make any sequels to the things that we've seen. But we've got one more to do, and it's a very popular game series. I've never played it, but the first-person shooter Far Cry must not have known who they were selling the rights to, because he got to make it in 2008, and uh, it will be the last Uva Bowl movie we ever cover, hopefully, fingers crossed, next week. And in the meantime, a better conclusion to a trilogy is happening this Friday. We get uh, Damien, Satan. He's all grown up and turned into Sam Neill, trying to run the world in the final conflict. But wait, how's that a trilogy? I know there's an Omen 4, right? And a remake? Well, there's always a trilogy. <laughs> the, the fourth one ain't... We'll get there. Let's... Mm. It may, it may not be much better than an Uva Bowl movie. Well, if you're still listening after hearing us talk so much about Blubberella and Blood Rain, let me tell you how you can hear us talk about The Omen. But if you are still listening right now, please email us at show at nowplayingpodcast.com. Comment on the Facebook post about this movie. Please let us know if anybody made it through this discussion because I barely made it through the movie and I don't know that I'd ever want to listen to a podcast on this movie just being honest I wouldn't want to listen to the show we just did because it's based on Uva we ain't mad at you 
We get it. We're just trying to get through this. We're just trying to live through and close this chapter forever. So if you're still listening, A, let us know. And B, if you want to hear us discuss much better movies, you can listen to anything in our archives. Mm -hmm. But you can also listen to the entire Omen retrospective series as part of our winding up donation drive. Pretty soon... These are no longer going to be available for donation. The prices individually on Podbean go up. And we have so many shows you can donate to get from the... It seems so long ago, but it was all this donation drive. Last House on the Left and the Hills Have Eyes. Cloverfield, Rosemary's Baby, The Omen. So many shows. You can get the gold and silver levels together for just a donation of $25. Every single penny you donate goes to helping our show keep going. Keeping doing two shows a week, sometimes more. Every part of the machine that is now playing thanks to the team behind the scenes that helps us edit helps us with graphics helps us jason who helps us with everything none of this would be possible without you guys and your donations so please head to nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate and either become a patron or a donor we would greatly appreciate it And if you're still listening this far, one last bit of information. If you subscribe to our In Focus newsletter, you've already been entered into our latest digital download giveaway. This week, you can win a digital copy of the new action thriller, Redemption Day, starring Gary Dorden, Andy Garcia, Sarinda Swan, and Martin Donovan. Dorden stars as a soldier who must rescue his wife after she's kidnapped by terrorists in Morocco. We're giving away five digital download codes courtesy of our friends at Paramount Pictures, and we'll announce the winners in this Friday's edition of our In Focus newsletter. If you haven't subscribed to the newsletter yet, if you do, you'll be entered to win in a lot of giveaways. We've been doing them almost constantly lately, thanks to Jason. You could go to nowplayingpodcast.com click subscribe at the top of the page it tells you how to subscribe to our podcast and it tells you how to subscribe to the newsletter that comes out once a week it's got news on our podcast it's got movie news so good luck justin stewart thank you for watching this sucky movie with me and until next time game over see you around rain Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Oh, God, did you see that? Did you see that? Come back to nowplayingpodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. The man's power grew quickly into a force that could not be contained. Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. The rats will be eating well tonight. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We're growing weaker. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. I may have underestimated your value. You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, 
Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Forgiveness does not come cheap. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. That's right! That's right! Donate all that you have! You can also join the Now Playing Patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month. Plus, even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. Find the details on our website. Oh yeah, right there. Yeah, right there. Oh yeah. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your other podcast store of choice. If we're going to do something, we got to do it now. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. Enjoy your stay. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. He's smart, too. He's got leadership abilities. Hell, I admire the son of a bitch. Associate produced by Jason Latham. We will take action if and when I authorize it. If and when I authorize it. Now playing is edited by Stephen, Heath, and Arnie. I just didn't know this shit. Now playing credits read by Brock. You are certainly the most verbose. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. The man said it, and it's true. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. A little cocksucking entrepreneur. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Vinganza Media Incorporated and may not be used without the expressed written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Say the sweetest things. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2020. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Sick of your half-breed mouth. Goodbye. And I find his name on a box to be worse than seeing... Well, no, I'd actually be attracted to seeing that on a box. Um... Wasn't this all building up to, like, taking care of Hitler? Taking care of Hitler every day. <laughs> taking care of Hitler.